You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network as we move in to a critical episode of Nip Tuck, the 14th episode of the fifth season. It is a mid-season finale, the only time we ever have to talk about this in an interesting light, because for some people, this is a finale of sorts, and they classify season five as being into two parts. I myself like to classify this as one whole season just with a big gap in the middle of it. But we've still got a lot to talk about. Candy Richards first aired on the 19th of February 2008, written by Jennifer Salt, directed by Richard Levine. And, uh, yeah, plenty to get our teeth into with this one. My name is Ben, and I just wanted my lips to be more kissable for my co-hosts. And I'm Nick, and uh, you kind of have some kind of mental illness. Every decision you make is absolute batshit. Not the first time I've ever heard that, but um, thanks for just <laughs> relieving my therapy days. Um, <laughs> Candy Richards, this is, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in it, some absolutely batshit terrible stuff in it. Um, basically, this episode sums up season five, doesn't it? <laughs> Yes, I think it kind of does. I think um, the words that keep coming up to me when I watch the season are um, soap opera, and um, sometimes that's not a bad thing. You know, like it's easy to just go, oh, you know, that's terrible acting, or it's a really dumb storyline, um, and you no, know, so therefore it's soap opera. But it also it does bring out some just that kind of cheesiness, which you know Nip Tuck is, and you kind of just have to go with the ride. So I think it kind of all of that stuff is kind of encapsulated here. You know, this big kind of cliffhanger ending, but also you know storylines involving amnesia and um, you know things like that. I think are, um, are all part of the, the Nip Tuck season five experience. Yeah, and I'll just say if there's one word that I'd never like hearing, uh, you just said it, amnesia. <laughs> it's right up there with the <laughs> G word from season one that we don't want to mention, and oh. Oh, Jesus, we have to talk about this episode. But uh, we start off with some good, because Jennifer Coolidge is back, Candy Richards. I I love Jennifer Coolidge. I just think she's hilarious, and I just love the fact that she's kind of playing a complete utter version of herself here, you know, when she's just like, oh, I'm a goddamn icon. I've been in everything. You know, I've been in judging. She's basically talking about herself, because she's literally a person who has been in everything, you know. People know her as Stifler's mum, of course. I think she's in that... uh, um, what is that one that, um, two broke girls? That's what I'm trying to think of. I remember, uh, as a Friends fan, I stomached the spin off Joey and she was Joey's agent in Joey. I mean, so many things. Just look at her IMDb page. She literally has been in everything. So that's kind of why I just love this character that she plays because she's essentially playing herself and she's the same in everything, yeah. but she's just so amazing. I love Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, and I think it's probably everybody's got, like, one movie of hers that they really remember, um, you know, and one of those things where she's been in so much that there's stuff you just haven't even caught up with, like, obviously me being the the, uh, the dog training guy that I am is at Best in Show is the one I think <laughs> of that she's in that, and it, she's really funny in that too, so, yeah, it's, um every I think probably Stifler's mum is the one everyone remembers, but, yeah, she's obviously been in a lot of interesting stuff, so... Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think she's kind of a, a fitting person to kind of be in this this kind of. I, I don't know if you want to say important, but um, yeah, I guess it probably is important episode. Which I mean, I think we touched on this with when uh, Rosie O'Donnell left with Dawn. Like she's kind <coughs> of the new Dawn, and obviously Rosie O'Donnell was kind of the new Mrs. Grubman. She's kind of that recurring patient that is there for comedic value. Um, and ultimately this is like, we'll get one more episode with her moving forward, which I think, 
I feel you might really dislike what happens in that, but I just randomly absolutely love the fact that she has a rap video to come. But, um, yeah, I, I just think it's just a fun storyline. And, you know, she's been to Thailand and she's gotten some bot surgery and she doesn't want to get surgery done in the US because she's an icon and she doesn't want the paparazzi following her because they're going to be there. I just love Christian's reaction. I have no idea who the hell you are. I'm just like, yeah. I was pussy lips, remember? <laughs> Just so funny. Um, and then we go to surgery. We get fame. I want to live forever. Which I, I, please tell me, you've got to at least be on board with that as you use as a song. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think, I think probably we've, we've moved away. And I think this is just another sign of, you know, Know, the kind of diminishing returns of Niptuck that you know where I might have held season two or three or whatever to to high standards in terms of the music and, and some subtle music choices is that you know we've gone away from that completely and the music choices are very very on the nose now and I think it's just part of the show that you've just got to you've just got to live with now and enjoy and yeah I mean it, it's probably not what I would go with but I think it kind of works for this this you know LA version of Nip Tucket. Just for whatever reason, it seems to work having these songs. We get three different songs in this episode called Fame. This is uh, Irene Cara's version. We're going to get one uh, by a band called God Lives Underwater. And ultimately, we're going to get the David Bowie fame, which, you know, we'll talk about that when yeah. it happens. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that they kind of use that. And it, it ties into this episode, because I guess the theme of this episode is fame and dealing with it and, you know, whether you want it or not. So, again, we've always kind of got that underlying um, subject matter of every Nip topic episode and this is it so uh we have the surgery uh going on here we find out christian has been taking acting classes um which is interesting um and the cops show up uh halfway through the surgery and you know luckily they don't walk into the surgery like uh, they often do at these times but we find out that julie yes. has been shot um, so again, you got to wonder the timeline. Again, Nip Tuck doesn't usually always, uh, live up to timeline standards. So a lot of what we're seeing here kind of happened, I guess, at the end of last week. Um, if we're to be believed, um, we get the credits and we get Eden explaining what happened and basically claiming that Julia tried to kill herself and, um, that she walked in on her and that's why she ultimately missed, uh, cause she pushed her out of the way. And Sean obviously not buying this. And kind of this goes back to what I was saying last week about how, you know, the last time we see these two together being nice and now all of a sudden they're back to yelling at each other. Um, and then Sean obviously not believing any of this as I said. Olivia basically turns around and says the only time that uh, she could get your attention was to either scream at you or screw you. So, um, and yeah, and then we kind of get a scene here between Sean and Christian laying at Julie's bedside. Julia... Uh, excuse me, Christian trying to, you know, feel guilty for the fact that she's done this, and then Sean saying that you're a bit of an egomaniac, the only thing you're responsible for is getting her to buy the gun. Um, and then we learn from this other doctor that there's probably going to be long-term damage, she's in a coma, she could wake up in one hour, one week, or longer. So this is what happened to Julia, at least we get some resolution, unlike with Colleen two weeks ago, but we'll get some resolution with Colleen in this episode. Um, can I just, I, I think I alluded to it last week, the fact that Eden is a terrible shot with that gun. How the fuck is she still alive? Mm. Like, she's pointing that gun right at her head, and somehow it's, what, only a flesh wound, essentially? Uh, or she's missed yeah. a brain? I don't understand it. Um... Yeah, uh, the, the one bit I have to say, which I think is funny, which I kind of think we get a little bit of stuff in this episode with Annie, is the one when, like, Olivia's like, she loved everyone, she loved you, she loved Annie, I'm like, really, did she, did she though, did she know she had a daughter? 
Um, but or a son. Yeah, or a Connor son. seems to have yeah, completely Connor gone, gone as well. Connor's just off in the fairies. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's an interesting start to this episode. Again, we've got resolution. We know that Julia has survived. Yes, yes. And I think probably what saves this from becoming a bit of a farce is that I think all three of those actors in that scene, um, well, in the cop too, I guess, um, are doing a really good job. You know, like I think that they really sell that moment. Um, Dylan Walsh, again, you know, I just can't speak highly enough about the way he manages to pull off some of the stuff that I think in the hands of another actor would just completely not work. He just does a really, really good job of it and, um, you know, just kind of sells that disbelief really, really well. Um, you know, and Eden and Olivia too, I think think for what they're bringing to that scene do a really good job so you, you know you're not completely just you know kind of um out of the moment you are they're keeping you in the moment even though the moment feels a little bit ridiculous to me um so uh, you know that full credit to them for that i reckon yeah it's, it's that soap opera mentality again that you've kind of said i mean i've always tried to defend it slightly with the soap opera stuff because i feel this show is just a very glorified soap opera but kind of just the bit where the doctor's there like he's got a meticulous blah, 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 like all this medical jargon and it's like she could wake up in a week, a month. I don't know. Like, it's just kind of, you know, the way he's just so dramatic about the fact that, you know, she just doesn't know when she's going to wake up. Um, so, yeah, this is very Days of Our lives at the beginning. Um, we then meet Darlene. Uh, I like Darlene. Uh, can I just say the actress, Lisa Dar, again, any Ryan Murphy fan, as I've always talked about, uh, popular, would know her mm-hmm. that she is, uh, one of the main, well, not one of the main people, she was, uh, the mother in popular of, um, Sam. So she's Jane McPherson in popular, which is kind of the crux of what popular is about. It's this unpopular girl and this popular girl whose parents get together and they've got to kind of deal with this new social standings that, you know, the unpopular and the popular girl have to live with each other. Um, so she's the mum of the unpopular girl in popular. So figure that out. But I like her. I like, I like Lisa Dar and I like this character. It's kind of, it's fun and like, you know, we've always talked about Christian having instant chemistry with everyone. These two have great chemistry, particularly when we're going to get to like their drunken yeah. stuff coming up soon. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this yeah. is Darlene. So she's obviously the mother of Emmy, who we've already met. And we kind of hear the background to this. So essentially, Christian was an underage drinker at Fort Lauderdale in 1982 and spring break and ended up having sex with her, and it was her first time, and she lost her legs uh, for diabetes in 1998, and uh, apparently she has a subscription to Playgirl magazine and saw Christian naked. And uh, <laughs> this is essentially... She's there to sort of confront him about Emmy and the situation with Matt. So, um, yeah, the thing that I've written here, weird timeline, because she says, like, oh, my daughter came in here a couple of weeks ago. So, again... Was there like a couple of weeks spread out last week that we just didn't notice with Matt and Emmy? It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Or has there been a couple of weeks since Julia got shot and now she showed up? So there's a weird time frame happening here somewhere. A couple of weeks have passed, but we're not meant to notice that apparently. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and I, I don't think that that's a hugely important aspect of this. I think it's, um, but it is interesting that, yeah, the, the timeline's all over the place with the stuff, isn't it? It just seems to be one of those things that nothing ever kind of makes sense when it comes to storylines. Um, so I guess probably one of the things that I'm interested in here is that, um, she isn't actually, uh, you know, somebody that is missing her legs in real life, is she? No, I mean, no. um, just having a quick look at the IMDB page, it doesn't appear that that's the case. So, um, again, I'll probably just go back to, you know, I, I guess this is, 
with special effects for lack of a better word but i think they are really effective i think you kind of buy this character and um you know some of the scenes we're going to get later on the sex scene later on i think is you know it kind of just really sells who she is and yeah i and i think you're totally right the chemistry that she has with with christian is great and it kind of um it, you know it, it really does work for me well, speaking of working for everybody, this next scene's gonna work for everybody, cause Annie's back! Here's Annie! She is! It's been a while. Uh, when was the last time we had Annie? Dawn Budge? No, I'm looking here. Duke Collins! It's been a few weeks. Um, but here she is, uh, little Annie, everyone's favourite. Uh, her acting in this scene kind of does fall away a little bit. What's she say? Like, Daddy, what's wrong? Is it Mummy? Like, that kind of shits me a little bit there. Love you, Annie, but, um, you know, just, yeah, but um, she's looking at the fish, um, and uh, she doesn't even find out what's happened to her mum because Colleen's out in the uh, reception screaming. She's got a restraining order again. McNamara Troy's uh, reception staff are fantastic because who's dealing with uh, Colleen? Liz. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Know where they are. Um, but here's our uh, resolution to Fortnite's worth of episodes. Uh, that she is fine, her her wrists have been sewed up, and she wants Sean to fix them because uh, he did this to her. Um, and, you know, you kind of feel that Sean's about to because, you know, he, he looks like he's, like, about to sort of listen to her. But then he goes to grab the phone. She grabs the phone instead, gets thrown out. Uh, and I do kind of like Christian, uh, as she gets thrown out, she turns to Colleen and goes, You freak! Um... So, yeah, weren't we just dying to know what happened to Colleen? She didn't die here, she is. She's just yelling at people and throwing phones away. Um, yeah, I think so. And um, just going back to the Annie thing as well, I, you know, I want to um, just um, kind of support... Um, it's Kelsey, isn't it? Yeah, I always Kelsey kind of get her name wrong, but... Um, yeah, yeah, and I think that, you know, she, I actually don't think it's, it's anything to do with, um, her acting abilities. I just think the line she's given are really bad. I also think that the way they kind of portray her with the kind of, the pigtails and stuff, I think they're really trying to lean into that she's much younger than she actually is, which I think is a little bit disappointing because I think we've had some stuff early in the season with her and Eden where they've kind of started to push her forward as an adolescent as opposed to being a kid. And it does feel like they make a real conscious effort to play her up as a child. And I think that's the wrong choice here. Um, I mean, it's not a big deal it's only a, you know it's a blink and you miss it scene so it doesn't really really matter um yeah kind of getting into the colleen stuff i think um yeah i mean it, it feels in keeping with the character i suppose um and is it good payoff for kind of what we've got um i'd probably say no you know I'd, i probably wanted more i don't really know what i wanted but it probably wasn't this um you know and i guess probably more i'm thinking is does the scene lead into where we're gonna get to at the end of this episode and kind of feels like it's it could have been more i guess but that's just that's just my take on it i guess I think the thing to really take notice of this in the fact that if you're considering this a season finale, and we've talked so much, you know, at length about how good the season finales have been. You know, season one was great. Season two, you know, to me, as of right now, still the best episode of Nip Tuck. Season three, you know, I was a big fan of that one. Season four, another great finale. Um, so, like, you kind of got to hold this up on the same levels, potentially, as these great finales. And this just... It doesn't, this is why I like to combine season, you know, part one and part two together because when you, when you've watched this multiple times and you're just on a rewatch, this just doesn't feel like it's got that same level of, you know, 
power that a finale should have, except for maybe the last scene. So I think that if you kind of, if I gave you 22 episodes of season five of Nip Tuck, didn't tell you that there was a one year gap between episodes 14 and 15, you wouldn't know. I feel that you could just watch these back to back and just kind of, you know, the tone will shift, but I still feel it just doesn't have the same punch as other finales. Don't even get me started on the ultimate end of this season in like eight episodes time of how even worse this is. So I just think that there's no desperation to this episode that you've got from what we've seen in season finales from seasons one to four so far. Yeah, I think so. And, um, it does feel like a bit of a, like, you know, a damp shrag, I guess, compared to some of those other stuff. But I think that that's probably, we're in that diminishing returns period now, aren't we? I mean, things are only going to get worse, unfortunately. And so, you know, my expectations for this, if, if you are looking at it as a, as a finale, but even just an episode of the show is that my expectations are not as high as they were. So I'm, I'm quite willing to give this, you know, that it doesn't have to be great, but it has to be good enough to kind of hook me in and keep me interested. And, um, you know, it, it, it may not be a finale, but it is the, you know, it is kind of the final storyline here for Colleen. And, you know, we put a reasonable amount of time into the storyline and, you know, I want to see it resolve. And, you know, if I've spent this time watching the show, I do want to make sure that that storyline is resolved in a way that feels satisfying. And yeah, I mean, we're going to get to that, but um, I think that the scenes leading up to it are certain lacking in something and it's kind of hard for me to put my finger on what it is but i think probably what we got last time was this whole thing about colleen being you know a sympathetic character and somebody that you you had pity on and i don't think they really build on that i think they just kind of decide right we're just going to play her off as a crazy lady and 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 that's where they decide to go with this and you know i mean that's that's their decision as as the showrunners to do what they want with her but i think she was potentially a lot more interesting as somebody who was a sympathetic character you know like this whatever it might be I mean, tragic hero is probably a little bit extreme, but you know that there is a tra- there is a tragic side to her, and they kind of build that up a little bit, and then I don't really feel they deliver on it here. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of what you were saying, what like a week or so ago, when you were basically talking about how you know you don't always need to go into the background with a character, like you use the Joker as an example, Heath Ledger's Joker, and I, I see that, but it's kind of. You know, I think Colleen, they don't really go into a lot, but you almost feel like they have to, and it's kind of like. You know, Ryan Murphy, as we you mentioned, like he does that a lot, and we've had that with all our villains, haven't we? With, you know, Escobar, with, you know, with Ava, you know, with James, and kind of, you know, everything that kind of goes along with it all. And it's just really what we get at the end of this episode is kind of it with Colleen. There's, there's nothing really that kind of, you know, oh, she's done this before, and, you know, this isn't the first time, and she moved away from New Orleans, because, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing there with it. And again, it's more of a season five problem. Uh, it's more of what this show is going to have moving forward. And I think you, you summed it up well there is maybe to not have your expectations as high because there's just so many elements now moving forward. And particularly after this week where the plot holes get bigger and there's just not a lot of, you know, focus. You know, you mentioned Annie sort of, that's a good one there about how earlier this season she's meant to be almost like a young teenager. Now she's back to being a little girl and how long is it till we've got goth Annie all of a sudden eating her hair, you know, and then she's almost been molested by a weird Italian guy. So it's kind of like, make your mind up. What's Annie doing? Like, not that they even remember she's on this show, but yeah, it's, it is very interesting how you just summed all that up. Well, thanks. I'll, I'll take that. You're welcome. Write that in text form and put it on like your uh, your CV. Um, so, yes, yeah, totally. 
Um, we then have Emmy and Darlene and Christian and Matt around the dinner table having the incest weekly meeting or something. Um, basically, uh, telling Matt and Emmy to stop having sex. Uh, I just love that line. I can't believe I have to say this, but you can't sleep with your sister again. Um, and then like your line from the beginning, you know, you have a mental illness. You know, you always get yourself into problems like this. And Matt, you know, I like father, like son. I do love that we've got a lot of Christian this season really talking down to Matt, basically saying what we've been saying all along. Like, Matt, just hashtag poor Matt. Like, come on, Matt. Like, just stop. Um, but the thing that I actually quite like about this scene is it starts off quite serious, you know, and it's kind of like, you know, you've just got to stop doing this, but there's just all the underlying bits of comedy with it. So then like, when they're like, stop sleeping with your sister, and then Emmy's like, oh, so we can all be family now. And Christian's like, let's not get sentimental. <laughs> and then like, Matt just kind of gets up and like, oh, I can't yeah, yeah. deal with this right now. I've got to go see mum. And then, you know, it's like, I should go support him. Like, no, you shouldn't. Like, well, I'm his brother. And then it just sort of ends with... Do you drink? Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just like, there's just something about it that's yeah. like serious, but funny at the same time. It's, it's just a nice scene. Well, I think, you know, if I'm going to kind of um, be the devil's advocate here, I think that this isn't the worst thing that Matt's done. You know, like no. I think, you know, you kind of think of this as, as being, you know, um, yes, I mean, if you've got a, a familial relationship with somebody and you've grown up with them, then yes, this is incredibly creepy. But these two are, you know, they're strangers. They didn't know this. And, um, you know, you certainly wouldn't advocate for it. But it's not certainly not, the, you know, if Matt ran away with his, you know, his sister and as long as they didn't breed, is that really the worst thing that Matt could be doing considering where he's, where he, you know, would you rather him be doing drugs with Kimber or, you know, you know, being a white supremacist or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's obviously not ideal, but I actually don't think this is the worst, the worst outcome for Matt. He could be quite a, quite a happy, um, happy guy that's, uh, just happy to have sex with his sister. Um, yeah, can I just, so, can I just I mean, stop it, you for it, a second, Nick? I'm the Tasmanian here. I'm meant to be the one loosely defending <laughs> Matt's incestuous <laughs> behavior here. If this is involving a sheep. Then maybe I can understand you. Like, this is a bit creepy, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like, and, and like I say, you just need to keep everything on the Matt, the Matt <laughs> perspective, you know, is that, yeah, no, this is not normal for, for normal people. But, um, in terms of what Matt's been doing, this is nowhere near the worst thing that he's ever done. So, um, yeah, he, yeah, they should be stopping this, but it's also, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other things Matt should probably have stopped as well. Oh, I just love the way you're like, yeah, yeah, um, no, Matt, should, yeah, no match should stop. <laughs> yeah, I could. T- I just feel I'm digging a hole there, and it's maybe time to just stop. Yes, yes, just just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, we have. Uh, what are we up to now? Oh, we've got <laughs> a hearts and scalpel scene because we haven't had one of these in a while, and I actually kind of like the bit here when they're like, "What happened to him? He got too close to Russell Crowe, and he shoved a camera up his butt." And then the way Sean's like, "Well, we better save the camera. It's a damn good lycra." Uh, <laughs> just the way it's. Just- Oh god, I really want to see like a fully edited episode of Hearts and Scalpels just to see how bad this show actually yes. is. Uh, but then- yeah, it could have been. It could have been a really good. Like if this, show, if this, if Nip Tuck was a 2017, 2018 show, then I have no doubt that at some point we would have had a Hearts and Scalpels spinoff. You know, yeah. just you know, for a couple of seasons, a comedy, but um, I, I can totally have seen that happening. It's you know, it, it, it's almost inevitable. 
Yeah, and it's kind of like they you always see these top ten lists of like top ten shows within a show and things like that. And like, I don't think Nip Tuck's kind of had that staying power of some of these other shows when they talk about it. But I just, it's just like you know that's just hilarious. I just think Russell Crowe got too close to him. Um, but this you know leads to a serious bit because Colleen's back on the scene. She's handing a, a a scalpel to Sean, and you know she has to basically be uh, get off the lot. And um, we get the uh, producer guy who says you need to press charges um she needs to be locked up um and then we're gonna get a sort of a scene after this with christian and darlene completely pissed and uh, as i said the chemistry there is great between the two of them um and i I do like the line when christian says uh i've only one of only one of my children i look after the one that isn't mine or something like that when he's like talking about the fact that he's got three kids and he only looks after the one and again similar to what we said about connor where is wilbur wilbur and connor are off in annie's land wherever they are um and this leads to christian and darlene having sex and you sort of said it before uh a pretty, it's graphic, it's it's full-on sex scene, but it's kind of, it looks fine, like, you know, sort of her without the legs and kind of Christian on top. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously kind of the, the morning after with Christian saying he shouldn't have done it and uh, that he's sorry, but she's happy that they've had sex, that lived up to her fantasy, and then she wants surgery done, as everybody who sleeps. Like, we talk about Christian using women. These women only use Christian for surgery, so come on, it works both ways, people. Um, so I've covered a bit there. I've sort of covered two main scenes, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't think there's too much more to add to the Colleen scene. It, you know, it's just that kind of building the tension as to to where we're going to get to at the end of this um, this episode. So yeah, and I think probably the next scene is it's a fun one. And um, you know, I think um, I don't know if we're going to kind of get to this, but in terms of you know this one season, uh, one episode kind of guest character, I think that she might be a and you know one that we might want to come back to because I think it might just be a little bit underrated that she's actually really good in these scenes. And you know, it, it's one of those really relatable moments where you know when all the shit hits the fan and you know things are going badly in your life then how often do you just you know decide to get completely shit-faced it is something that we've probably all done from time to time Mm -hmm. so it does feel really relatable um and you know it's nice to see these you know this rich plastic surgeon um doing exactly the same thing that any of us would do so from that perspective i think it does really work i agree um now where are we up to so we've got a bit of a scene here with uh candy uh she's Got an upcoming role on Ghost Whisperer as a Russian ballerina. Uh, but then we meet Gary Gold. I just kind of like her reaction when she's like, oh, no one for autographs here. Um, but we find out that he is the partner of uh, Bob, the woman that um, that uh, Colleen stuffed uh, several episodes ago. And um, basically trying to find out where he is. He doesn't believe the story about him packing up and going to Darfur. And that, um, you were the last person really to, to see him. Now, the one thing, and this will, okay, I should kind of lump in the scene here where Sean goes home and, um, we find that, uh, Bob's been stuffed in his closet and falls out on the floor. And, uh, then we find out from the cops that she's basically gone to the border of Tijuana and, uh, she's out of the country. Now, a few things I have to nitpick with this as much as it's kind of, you know, setting stuff up. This guy, who's his partner, his life partner, as it said, because, uh, you know, 2008, we have to distinguish the fact that there are gay people still in the world, um, that he says that he says a bit there where he's like, we don't even recycle, we're not humanitarians. 
Was this not a setup earlier with Sean that uh, he wanted him to go out to New Orleans to fill, fix up Katrina? So why is this guy not a humanitarian, but he's wanting to go help out, like building, you know, rebuilding shelters in Katrina? There's that. Um, if he's that concerned about his partner, how long has it been since his partner's been missing and he's only coming to Sean now? And also, when his body falls out of the closet, that is not decomposed at all. So, like, if I kill someone and stuff their body with stuffing, does that mean they just don't decompose? Is that a thing? I don't know. Like, um, it's, and I don't, I don't understand that why Colleen, like, how does Colleen manage to get this body, which she's stored in a house for how long, and then broken into Sean's house? Again, Sean really doesn't do much of the security system at their house, does he? That she's already broken in how many times before? And here she is again, getting in and shoving <laughs> yeah, yeah. a body in his closet. Um, there's, I mean, there's a few things here which kind of don't make sense. But the weirdest thing is, like, on a gen- any episode, this may be the one bit I'm complaining about the most, but this is child's play compared to what we're about to get to very soon about what I'm going to complain about this episode. Oh, no, I thought you were... Uh, the, the one thing I thought you were going to bring up, which I'll bring up for you, is um, what kind of sociopath when, um, you know, a dead body's found in their house and the police come around to remove it sits and eats a yogurt while it's happening? <laughs> um, cr- cr- Christian, you're a weirdo. Um, you know, how that's his first reaction. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, oh, there's a dead body in my house. I'm hungry. I'm going to have some yogurt. Um, just, just wait. I'm going yeah, I mean, to watch this body get bagged up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think one of these things, you know, we talked about a little bit over the last couple of episodes is that the ending of this whole, and it's not an ending, it is the, it is the mid-season thing, but we are wrapping up this, this Colleen storyline and it feels so rushed. Like it feels like we crammed a whole bunch into, um, you know, two episodes ago. We didn't come back to her story all last, last episode and messed around with some stuff that kind of didn't matter and we could have spread out some of this stuff into that episode. Um, and you know, and then, we're kind of like shoving all the stuff about you know bob into this episode it kind of just it, it just doesn't make any sense to me like we could have spread this out made it a more interesting and compelling story that kind of builds to something rather than just kind of dumping it all in one or two episodes at random times and it just doesn't feel like we're building a, com- a compelling narrative that's gone on throughout the whole season mm. yeah no completely completely agree and you know it's weird to think that Two seasons ago, we were sort of complaining about the sort of the up and down with the carver, like, oh, they've forgotten about the carver. Oh, they're back at the carver again. But, I mean, that's done beautifully compared to what we're getting with a lot of this sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, the yogurt-eating psychopath that is Christian. Uh, (laughs) I didn't even notice that. How dumb of me. Um, So, where are we? Um, Oh, so is this where... No, where am I to here? Um, oh, they're in the surgery, and no, why am I reading my notes wrong here, Nick? Help me out here. Uh, Liz is talking um, to both so, of them, isn't he? Isn't she? Yes, yes, yep. So, who are they doing surgery on here? Um, I'm I'm a little bit confused about where we're at in the story as well. Um, the bit that I've got is that they um they basically uh um at, um Candy comes out of surgery uh, comes out of um recovery all dressed up and she's she's ready to go you know and uh, meets these guys in reception. Ah uh, yeah, but there's a scene beforehand where they're in some form of surgery 
And Liz is saying that uh, I want to say this to you, that you two are searching for fame, but you've got respect. Uh, and that the reason you've got that respect is because you've gotten so many amazing cases and this is what you do best and then it should be screw the rest. So, yeah, that's just a nice little scene with Liz telling that to Sean and Christian there. But, yeah, then we get to that scene you're talking about. Uh, Linda comes in with her terrible acting and says the hospital called Julie's awake. Um, and we kind of get an interchange scene here where... Um, Olivia and Eden, and then Eden's kind of like, I've got something I need to tell you, uh, which again, we get no resolution to in this episode. Uh, the, the whole Eden Olivia stuff kind of gets weird in the second half of the season. Um, again, a lot of the second half of this season, I kind of do black out, so there might be stuff that I'm missing here, but from memory, it's, it's not the best resolution from what I can remember it. Um, but yeah, this is a bit where Candy's all dressed up. She's called the paparazzi after all these, you know, efforts of hiding. Uh, she's calling them. And I do, I absolutely love this scene. Cause yes, Sean and Christian are about to go to the hospital. Uh, we've got Fame by David Bowie. They walk, Candy walks outside and no one gives a shit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So much. It's so funny. And then Sean and Christian walk out, and then all the paparazzi are all over Sean, you know, you know, tell us about Colleen, you know, did you have anything to do with your wife getting shot? Um, and then, um, they go after Sean, and then Christian's sort of like, you know, you're involved in this now. This is, uh, this is your life. Oh, God, do we have to talk about this next scene? Do you have anything to say about that before we get to the next scene? <laughs> no, I think it's just, I think it's just a connecting scene, really. There's not a whole lot there. I, um, I think probably, more, you know, it's kind of just talks to the fact that, you know, um, the, the, the price of fame a little bit that, you know, you, you get famous for things that you might not want to be famous for. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> to me, I think it, it just feels a little bit self-referential probably. And it probably means more to these guys who are in the industry than it does to people who are watching it, which is never a good thing, I think, but it's not a big deal. So I don't think we should dwell on it too much. <sighs> okay. Well, I'm glad I haven't had dinner yet because I'll be throwing up at this point, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so we're in the hospital. Everyone's all there. Oh, let's get excited because, you know, Julie is awake and, you know, nothing seems different because she doesn't recognise Annie at first, and that's just normal. So, <laughs> who are you? You're a cute little girl. Does yeah. she belong to everyone? That shit. Oh shit. Hello, Annie. Like that's normal. Um, but what great plot device do writers use in TV when you need something interesting to happen? The laziest and most terrible plot device ever used. Amnesia. Oh no. This is just no. Like, I hate it. I hate when they use this. Like I mentioned about 24, season one, maybe one of the greatest seasons of any television show ever, ruined by Terry Bauer getting amnesia for, like, three episodes. Uh, we talked about this in Lost, I think, in, was it the second season, when Claire gets amnesia. Ugh, no, it's just lazy. It's dumb. I can't even remember a time it's ever been done right in any form of TV show. But um, Julia's got amnesia. She doesn't remember anything what's happened right up to where she's got shot. Um, and this also then leads to, oh God, I don't even get this thing. We, I thought we'd done with Sean and Julia completely like that's done with, but no, cause here comes Julia. Who are you? Oh, and I'm your husband. And oh, are we still together? Yes. We're as happy as we ever were. We're perfect. <laughs> oh my God. Really? No. Like, this is just terrible. This is some of the worst stuff. Maybe the worst stuff. Oh, well, we had Sal Perry, but 
up there in the bottom, like, three worst stuff we've seen in Nip Tuck so far. So far. We've still got so much more to cover in the next, you know, few episodes. But, oh, this, I can't, please tell me you can't defend any of this. Oh, I was going to put this up in our top five for this this season. Um, yeah, no, this, this this is just bad on so many levels. Like, I think one of the things for me is that if you're going to do this kind of amnesia storyline is that um, if it was with Sean or Christian, then at least there'd be some tension there because you'd be really worried about losing one of your two main characters, um, you know, to this amnesia. Um, but because it's Julia, like, the stakes are so low. Like, nobody cares if, if Julia ends up having amnesia and never gets her memory back. I mean, it's, it's Julia. We don't care about her. So... You know, I think that's a bad choice from that perspective is that it's somebody you just don't care about anyway. Um, but yeah, just the whole cliche of, you know, this whole thing is just, it, it, I don't know if you were ever a fan of Futurama. Um, it's one of my favorite and one of the most underrated, um, comedies of all time. I think, you know, it's a really good one, but they've got this character on there. He's like this robot and he's, you know, on a soap opera. And, um, you know, they always have these ongoing storylines where he's getting amnesia and things like that. And it's, it's hilarious. It kind of plays up on this, this whole cliche quite a bit. And, you know, it just feels to me like, you know, a scene out of all my circuits from, from future armor. That's what it feels like to me. Um, and that's never good when, you know, when you're comparing it to like a joke, um, thing on, um, a, a um, animated comedy you're probably not heading in the right direction i would say so yep you're totally right it's 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 awful um and we probably just don't want to dedicate any more time to us because the show doesn't really want to dedicate any more time to it either so <laughs> i don't know why we should just yeah it reminds me of um friends when like joey on days of our lives and they like kill his character by pushing him down an elevator shaft and they bring him back in a few years later by having a brain transplant in a like another woman's got a brain transplant in joey's it's it's you know very so proper but yeah oh god but the thing that kind of i do have to say is quite funny afterwards though is christian and annie in the car you know just sitting in silence it's like oh would you like to put some music on oh you know i'm sorry about your mum. which annie turns around and goes it's all right she doesn't know who i am anyway <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line. Like, Annie's just like, ah, she doesn't know who I am anyway. I'm, I'm used to it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those self-referential songs. Like, I do like the fact that, you know, that they do that. Um, you know, like, they really do play into the fact that these kids kind of come and go and, and they do laugh about it a little bit. We talked about that with the Connor McNamara 2026 episode and we get another kind of little, little flash of it here, which is, it does always make me laugh. But, uh, I mean, it leads to, I mean, you, you talk about sort of like things kind of being rushed and like there's something here that could be done more because kind of all of a sudden the paparazzi have followed Christian and they're trying to get a photo of Annie because they're like, oh my God, she's, he's got a daughter. Like no one knew that he had a daughter. Sean didn't even know he had a daughter. Um, I actually, think this, is, this is, this isn't, um, this isn't scripted. This was just real life. This is just on the set yeah, of New yeah. Dark. <laughs> Um, but that ultimately leads to Christian getting in the car, driving off and having a massive car accident. And it's kind of like, this could be the end of the episode. Like this, you know, this is a big thing itself. Um, and again, it's a bit of a recycled plot in some aspects because we had obviously had Sean in a car accident in season two, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just feels it's tacked on. It's like, oh God, what's happened? And not Annie, Annie can't be killed off. Um, and then, well, speaking of kind of like tacked on and, you know, we need some sort of resolution, but we don't really get resolution because this is kind of the last scene we'll ever see of it, is Emmy and Matt and they've been off for lunch and for some reason the subject of a flight only comes up when they walk in the door. 
Like, surely this would have been a thing like, hey, do you want to go for lunch? Oh, I'm flying home today. Oh, what time? 11 o'clock. Oh, it's all right. We'll go to lunch anyway. Um, but it leads to them kissing and uh, Emmy sort of subtly saying that, hey, you could come back and live with all the other inbreds and go work in a coal mine. Is it weird that I kind of want to see that? I want to see the spin-off of Matt and Emmy in a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the hillbillies <laughs> living in the coal mine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's definitely. I think we've come up with two good spin-offs um, just on this one episode. So, yeah, I, I, I'd sign off on that. I'd green light that show. Yeah. Now, before I guess I get into the uh, the last scene here, did you want to add anything just on the car crash or anything here before I move? And the, the car crash being the yeah, actual I'd, car I'd, crash, not the scene that we had before the car crash. <laughs> I, I thought you were just talking about this whole episode as a car <laughs> crash, but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't, didn't really have anything else to add here. I think there's actually quite a sweet little scene here. I, mean, I, I seem to be the one that's obviously um, is appreciating the incest story, which is slightly <laughs> concerning. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, I think it is a sweet scene. I think that you know um, these two actors sell this really well for me. And John Hensley, I mean, I just wish he was on the show a little bit more because I think he's really good. And um, you know, they just give him the the shit storylines and he somehow manages to deliver on them i don't know how but he really does so yeah i mean it's it's a sweet scene i really enjoy it and um yeah for all its weirdness i think it does it does work again i'm just getting worried if we ever have a sheep storyline that i'm going to be the one getting a little bit too much into it <laughs> you're getting into the incest storylines living up stereotypes here um so i mean this last thing, look obviously we're going to nominate at least you know portion of this for top five because i mean it's obviously a very prominent scene and i actually you know as i think i said at the end of last week i did not see this coming at all uh and i think like it's it's weird i'll kind of get to my interchange here with how i sort of appreciate some of this stuff which then leads into the next episode which i like but then it turns sour um so we've got christian he's got a broken collarbone uh we get a scene between him and sean and you know ultimately you know christian saying are you mad at me um, and Sean's like, I'm mad at myself. You know, I chased my dream like a teenager. Um, he's called up Freddie. He wants out of hearts and scalpels. We see Annie. She's on the bed. Um, she's about to get surgery to fix her face. Uh, Sean only wants to do it himself. Uh, so Christian says he's going to go check on Darlene. Um, and then we get to this surgery scene, which again, I really like the editing here. The use of fame by David Bowie, just kind of the way they, chop the the sort of the editing with the actual beats of the music like it works really really well um sean asks uh liz to go out and get some uh tape and to help out and then all of a sudden sean's saying yeah i think i'm gonna move i'm gonna go live in the hollywood hills what do you think and then out of nowhere colleen's showed up stabs sean four times four times and he survives and there's blood everywhere just spoiler alert in case we haven't sort of said that about next episode um blood everywhere the song still playing i i really just just the way this is edited and the like the shock value as i said i did not expect this to happen when i first saw this and it's kind of it's not done in a way where you've got like the tense music like we think back to you know season two the end of season two when we've got sort of the carver and the way that's edited and the shock value came with the fact that it's christian getting attacked not Sean. We knew someone was about to get attacked. It was just shocking that it was not the person we thought it was. To me, this is done in such a way that you have no clue this is about to happen. Just, you know, the editing of sort of, you know, fame, it's kind of done in a a positive, upbeat way. And then it's just the way it happens, it's great. And the one thing I will say for the next episode, just to connect these scenes together, 
is I love the use of music in this scene and I love the way they edit it in the next scene with the use of the music in the next, the way they kind of pick this up in the next episode. So, um, I really actually like this ending, weirdly enough, considering that this is sort of an all over the place episode. Um, you know, it's not on the same level as season two finale. And again, it's sort of forgettable that this is a finale, uh, of sorts. But, um, yeah, I mean, this to me has to be in our top five, surely, just based purely on the shock factor. And this is one of our main two characters. Basically, we were, are they dead or aren't they not? And we had that as a criteria for Christian, obviously, at the end of season two. So I think this kind of has to be done in the same light, but just not as effective as we got in season two. Yeah, well, I think there are some things that are, are actually more effective. And I think that, you know, I, when, when you compare it to that season two is that, the kind of way they set that up was that, you know, you had these shots of the carver walking down this hallway and you thought he was coming for Sean. And, you know, like the ultimate surprise is that he's coming for Christian, um, which was a surprise, but at least you were kind of set up for that moment of, you know, something's going to happen here. Whereas this come, comes completely out of the blue. Like you just don't expect her to kind of, you know, to kind of come in and, and do what she does. It is just a real surprise. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, while I think the setup in the episode isn't great, I think that they, there is a couple of moments that really work here. And, you know, kind of that moment where he kind of falls to the ground and she's standing over him and she does the kind of what have I done look on her face. Mm-hmm. That sells it for me really, really well. And I think, if you hadn't had that moment, I probably wouldn't love this scene as much as I do. But I think that that really makes this scene. And yeah, for for an episode that has some rough patches, I think it ends really, really well. And it's a memorable ending. Like, I mean, for me going forwards now is that I've probably got less than half a dozen memories of what happens, you know, in the next season and a half. But um, I remembered this, you know, years after having seen it and uh, and to me that makes it a really effective scene i think it's done well the music's good i think even kind of the zoom out you know like there's some kind of you know that that moment where you kind of zoom out and sean's on the floor and he's covered in blood but you know um but Annie's still in the on the chair and you know, in, in, in the table um, waiting to be operated on, and that's a really kind of creepy moment as well. So I think there's just so many things that work about the scene. Um, one of the things is that you know I think it is a little bit unbelievable how much blood is coming out of him. You know, in terms of would you survive something like that? I think they might have yeah. overdone it a little bit in terms of um, you know trying to sell that. And, and it's always one of those hard things when you do something like this is how much do you lean into this looks like he's going to die, and then you know. It, needs to be believable if you come back and and they haven't died that you know the scene that came before it has to at least be believable and i think this is it's really bordering on the you know and possibly stepping over the line of that that i don't believe that um yeah so i and i mean i think we can probably unpack that a little bit more when we get to that next episode so uh, we don't need to go over it too much here so yeah i mean um for me uh, i'm certainly not going to argue with having this in in the top five i think it's one of those moments it's a it's a real tv moment um it's it's fun to watch and i think just that given the context that the show now kind of stops for a year that you've kind of got this as the you know is it a year i could be wrong there but it's, i'm, I'm oh, pretty sure it was quite a lot i mean it's 11 months it, I mean, this is february yeah. 19 and then the premiere is january the 6th so it's it's basically yeah a year. yeah 
so for a what you could consider like you know because i think i don't know if this was as much of a thing then as it is now but you know i think about the walking dead as a 16 episode season but it's cut into two eight episodes you do have a mid-season finale and you know quite often there's a bit of a cliffhanger there but you know that and you know in three months time or whatever it is that you're going to be back at the story so it's not like you're going to be holding off for a year before you get to find out what happens here so given the context of what we're going to get the, the weight that we're going to get and i'm i'm pretty sure that wasn't intended that was around the writer's strike and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff so yeah i think it, it wasn't an intentional break but given that what we we now know is that that was how long people had to wait to get the resolution for this um i think it was worth it you know i think if you just had a scene that wasn't a cliffhanger like if you'd had a season four ending um if it was these guys on you know on the, the mountains uh, you know in the hollywood hills and then you wait 11 months to find out what happens next it probably wouldn't have mattered all that much but I think having this as your cliffhanger and keeping people in suspense for such a long time, I think is is really cool. I do really like that, and that obviously wasn't intentional. But hey, you know sometimes you take a win when you get it, and um, yeah, and they've got that here. So yeah, full credit to them, I guess. It's it's just it's it is very weird because just the direction of this show and kind of you know where we're going to go from here. And I mean, you know, obviously you can't blame, you know, when the, a writer strike like that happens and, you know, you've got to be thankful that we're kind of going to get more going on. But I mean, the fact that season five essentially is going to take 18 months to get to the end of, and then you're even going to look forward to season six, which, you know, technically was meant to be two seasons in itself. Um, you know, and we'll obviously talk about that when we get to that as well. You know, this, I mean, te- technically, you know, we could have had eight seasons of Niptak if you want to be technical in terms of how they spread it out, but they just classify them differently. So it, it, it is a weird way that they do it. But, um, I, I, I alluded to it this last week. I think I've said it a bit on this week and, you know, I said it from the very beginning. Th- this to me is the moment right now where this show is not going to be the same anymore. And I think that, you know, it is a direct result of having to wait 12 months essentially for this next bit. And just the second half of this season is just, you know, as I said earlier about how you can watch this episode and then go into next week and, you know, not even realize that there was a big gap in between it. But on the flip side of contradicting myself, I also think that when you watch all of these, you know, next eight episodes, it's like, it's just such a change of tone from what we've had this season. Like I, I said at the very beginning of this season, that there's a lot of fun stuff to be had about season five that I enjoy. But really now what we're going to get from this moment on is just that dour sort of slow mundaneness that just associates me with season six. We get some terrible storylines, arguably the worst storyline of Nip Tuck coming up in this last half of this season. And just very minor glimpses of some good fun Nip Tuck stuff. So... Yeah, it's um, it's gonna be an interesting ride from here onwards, and we're not even up to talking about Ronnie Chase. We have to rate this episode first, just and I mean, buy it, rent it, bin it. I'm probably jumping ahead a lot of what I was just saying there, but uh, I'll just I'll just chime in first and say that I'm renting this purely on the basis that this to me would be a buy if we didn't have the rubbish in the middle of this amnesia crap, and on the flip side, this would be a bin if we didn't kind of have an, an ending which I think warrants saving it and also just some other stuff in it which I enjoy. So it's a very middle ground episode when it comes to kind of the, the levels of things with it. Uh, so I'm renting this, and on the grand scheme of things, uh, I'm having this ranked, if I can find my list here, of this being the 62nd best episode of Nip Tuck at this point. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I think um, I'm pretty much there right behind you. I think um, that that final scene saves us from being a bin, really. So it's a rent for me. Um, and, and yeah, I, I do think that final scene's really effective. And I think it just goes to show that, um, you know, I, we do get caught up in watching TV and sometimes it being about moments or it's event TV watching. And you sometimes forget that when you watch this later on in the context of this being a whole show, um, that, you know, that there is, you've got to make sure that the rest of the episode is worth watching, that it can't all just be about the, the, you know, the sizzle at the end. It's got to be about what else you've got there as well. And there just isn't enough else here to, to really be interesting. Um, I think, you know, to, to kind of give it a little bit of credit though, I think, you know, we get back to a few good scenes with Sean and Christian which is nice you know i think that they've been on kind of parallel roads and not really intersecting and i think we do get back to them you know talking to each other and having those kind of conversations that made the show what it was to begin with so i'm pleased to have them back i think that that's really good um but yeah i think the amnesia stuff is terrible i think that just the, the packing of of Colleen's story into this final episode and, and and the episode two before it is just disappointing. I think that this could have had even more punch if we, if it had been the end of a really good story arc for this character. And it, unfortunately it's not. So even though that final scene is really good, it could have been even better if it had had a bit more emotional weight behind it, if they'd kind of balanced the storytelling out rather than kind of shoving it all into this end story. So yeah, it, it, it's going to fall right there in the middle for me as a rent. It could have gone either way and it's kind of it's saved by some stuff and dragged down by other stuff so that kind of keeps it nicely in the middle i think too yeah just on what you're saying quickly and i know we've talked a lot about it with third watch uh you know with say like continuity issues and that is that you know third watch a lot of issues that you kind of have when you watch it together now was that you know it was made at a time with tv where no one really assumed that people are going to be watching these again it was kind of like a once a week thing you watch it you've consumed it thank you very much there was no such thing as dvds and netflix and you know people binge watching these things and i think kind of nip tucks kind of we're in that middle ground right now aren't we where like dvds were a thing on tv of course at this point but it's kind of a case of you know, like TV shows are made differently now, where TV shows are made of a of an element that people are going to watch sit down and watch a whole series on Netflix over a weekend. You know, with that in mind, uh, so we've kind of shifted our focus on you know these things like event TV. Uh, you know, because ultimately we're getting all episodes in one hit, and you watch them when you want to. So. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a, a weird thing to kind of talk about. And, like, you know, some of our younger listeners who are watching this along with us right now might sort of never understand that element that we had at this point in history in 2008 and 2009 of a, a writer's strike completely destroying our TV habits. So uh, maybe that's yeah. something we'll talk a little bit more about uh, next week or at least at the end of the year. Yeah, season. and I... Yeah, and I, I think the other thing too is that um, I think before we kind of move on here a little bit is that um, kind of leaning into that a little bit is that you know the very nature of the way we're doing this is that we're you know we're recapping episodes, we're not recapping storylines, and you know if we were going to recap the the Carver storyline, you know would I would I recommend would I you know would I bin that or would I you know would I rent it or what you know buy it, um, and the same for Colleen, you know like if you're thinking about the actual storylines and the, the more broader strokes, then you might think differently, but we do 
do it in an episodic format. That's kind of just how we have to do it because that's how TV is made. So, you know, I think you think about things differently and, and it is easy to get caught up in, you know, the week by week how it's done as an episode. And I guess that kind of brings me to the next question, which is, you know, like, obviously we're treating this as one big season, which is cool. But, you know, like if this was the end of the season, you know, and, and you know, what we get next is, is labelled as season six, you know, kind of where do you think this, this season, this, this 14 episode season, where would it kind of rank cool. for you? And I kind of had a bit of a think about that. And, you know, like I, I think that you and I both agree that one, two and four are all exceptional seasons. Um, season three had some okay stuff. It had some really bad stuff. Um, but overall it was, you know, not too bad. And kind of where would this sit for me? And I guess like I thought about that a little bit. And, you know, if this is the end of season five, you know, theoretically, then um, for me, it probably does just shade in ahead of season three, because, you know, while I think that that Carver stuff was some of it was good, I was really disappointed by some of it. And that Nikki Austin storyline is just so toxic right. to that season three. Um, and there hasn't been anything that while I'm disappointed, and I think there's a few balls now being dropped by the show. And I think we're just going to see more and more of that, that, you know, they're just going to keep on dropping things from this point onwards. But I think there is more in the season five so far that I've enjoyed. And I think, I don't know what my track record is, but I feel like I've been more in season three um, than I have here in season five. I think there's been enough to keep me engaged. I, like, I guess probably what I'm saying is that so far with season five, I've enjoyed it more than I've expected to. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of foreboding coming that, you know, we've both talked about that it's probably not going to stay that way. But, you know, like, I just, I'm interested in what your thoughts are. If this is the end of season five, you know, kind of where would you be, be ranking it, I suppose? It's a great question and one that I didn't really think about, to be honest, because, I mean, yeah, I mean, the 14th episode of this season, this is one episode longer than the entirety of season one, uh, one episode shorter, two episodes shorter than the entirety of season two, and as you just kind of using season three as an example, one episode shorter than the entirety of season three. So, you know, this is generally a season length of Nip Tuck. So, um, yeah, I've never thought about that. You were right. You've been more in season three, as did I, up until this point of season five. And, you know, it's interesting then to kind of think of that if you were to do that, you know, consider this season five, the next eight episodes, season six, the first half of season six, season seven, and then the second half, season eight, as it was intended to be. Um, and I would probably agree with you. I'd probably say I would put this just ahead of season three if we were to rank this just on that, because as I've always said about this season, I think the good stuff is great. And I think it just doesn't get as enough appreciation because so many people will establish Nip Tuck as being just too long in the tooth season five onwards. And, you know, a lot of people complain that it's moved to LA really destroyed it. Uh, whereas, you know, I think that a lot of the stuff they explore is fun. We had some really fun, good stuff in this season up until this point. We've had a couple of rubbish moments, but yeah, I, I think that if they had have gone into this and known that this was only going to be, you know, the fifth season, they could have tightened up a few storylines a little bit more. We could have had, you know, things not as rushed or, you know, ignore the gigolo storyline and ignore other things like that. So yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd think that we would put this just ahead of season three to this point. Uh, whether or not it remains that way at the end of this season, I don't think it will. Um, but I mean, similar to what you said, I mean, I, I like to talk down season six and the second half, but I mean, it is the part of Nip Tuck that I do remember the least because I think I do black it out a lot. So, I mean, you know, ultimately we could come to a lot of stuff in the next eight weeks and all of a sudden they're not as bad as I thought they are because we're not at season six yet. But, um, 
there is some rubbish to come. I mean, again, the worst storyline in all of Niptark. Worse than um, the Gina... Oh, God. Not Gina. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. I don't even remember to say their names. Uh, with the stuff we're getting with Christian <laughs> and Liz coming up soon. Oh, oh I'm going to vomit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it just feels like it's out of another show, really. And um, it, it's going to be interesting because I think we've spent so much time talking about how bad it is. And you know, now I'm going to get a chance to, you know, with some different eyes over it, you know, with a bit of a, you know, for lack of a better word, I guess we're TV critics at the moment. And, you know, do we see things that are, you know, is it salvageable, I guess? And um, I, I'm sure you're saying no, but I'm I'm really interested to see if it is as bad as I think it is. And um, I think probably it's one of those things is my expectation is that it's going to be terrible. And so it probably won't be as bad as all that. But um, I, I'm just – I'm. You never want to watch bad TV, but I am kind of intrigued now to kind of see exactly what this looks like, um, given that my memory of it isn't great. So that's going to be fun. And in, in, in a weird kind of yeah masochistic way, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I, I mean, I will say the one thing that I will look forward to is Katie Sackhoff and the Teddy line of character that we're gonna get. It's only when she becomes Rose McGowan that I think it turns shitty. Um, so Teddy's an interesting one. That that's a name that you're gonna have to get used to in the the coming weeks as we get closer and closer. But um. Yeah, among many other things still to come. But, uh, yeah, next week we will be back. Ronnie Chase. I think we've kind of established enough. It's really a sort of a premiere part of season five, part two. I mean, we won't really say a whole lot more on it unless, you know, I don't think you've watched it yet, Nick. But, I mean, ultimately we're going to get some resolution here with Chris, uh, Sean and then Christian gets a storyline. And as you said, I think last week it's maybe one that we don't really wish we didn't <laughs> ever have. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do, I do think like, and I do have some memories of, of, you know, what happens with Sean next. And my memory of it is that it was quite interesting. Um, you know, with the interesting good or interesting bad, but I think it's worth watching. Like, I think you, you come back and you probably don't get what you're expecting having just seen what we've seen. Um, but I think that that's, that makes things a little bit, fun and you know and and i'm looking forward to seeing what we get with with sean and you know because i think you know sean's an interesting character to me and i think he's he's even more interesting than i remember him and you know so that makes me excited to kind of see how he reacts to what's happened to him so yeah, yeah i'm i'm looking forward to that stuff i know it doesn't last all that long um but yeah i am looking forward to it and i would just quickly say there is one character in the second half that I actually kind of have a real weird fandom too that's kind of related to Sean. I actually really he's just a get a very random character who I kinda of like. Um and just the Christian storyline and I'll probably talk about this next week. I think it had potential to actually be good. And like it's just a, it's an interesting storyline that you don't excuse me, expect. Um, but I just think what happens with the storyline is enough to make you vomit. But anyway, that's, that's next week. Um, like us on Facebook, subscribe, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, Twitter, all the channels. Um, again, as I always say, I just think we're not on, um, uh, Tumblr. That's the only one that we're not on, but that's probably a good thing because again, we're not 13 year old girls. Um, I don't even know if 13-year-old girls use Tumblr anymore. Does anyone use Tumblr anymore, Nick? Did you ever use it? I don't no. know what it is. No. No. Yeah. Anyway. Only, only to drink things out of. Yeah. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, but yes, we'll be back next week to continue our coverage of Nip Tuck and uh, still plenty more to talk about as this season uh, and show starts to turn a little bit interesting. My name is Ben and 
I can't remember doing you, but I can see why I did. I don't know if you used that at the beginning, Nick. I can't remember what you used, but if you did, I'm sorry that I just recycled your opening line. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't me. And oh. uh, I've been like, uh, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but you can't sleep with your sister again. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.